What up, what up, what up, San Antonio, El Paso, Abilene, Lovick, people up in Tyler, people up in the Mile High City in Denver, Colorado, people up in the Shaw City, people down the whole 305 South Florida region. You are tuned in here to the Monday edition of the Sports Grind. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing and spinning the one and twos. 877-37-GRIND is your number to participate. Today's show is going to be presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. And we are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. 877-37-GRIND. If you know the rules, if you know what you want to talk about, it is open phone lines. Feel free to give us a call. The only thing that we ask is you call during the breaks and be patient during the long segments and breaks, and we'll get to the phone calls accordingly. Also, uh, keep in mind, if you need to reach out to me or follow me via Twitter, you can do that at SportsGrind. And also, if you want to stream the show live and leave comments, and you can, um, you know, I'll respond to those and read those on air in real time, or I'll respond to later uh, you can go to the business facebook page of sports grind entertainment or you can go to my personal page as well too and like i said you can leave comments and um, i'll read those in on air in real time and respond to them later and if you ever miss any of the shows live you can always go to sportsgrindonline.com where you can download the podcast daily uh, seven days a week, 365. And also, if you are in a market that doesn't carry us terrestrial radio-wise or uh, you're having technical difficulties listening to us by your other means, um, also keep in mind that you can go to sportsgrindonline.com as well where you can go ahead and click the play button and listen live, and you'll get us there as well. 877-37-GRIND. What's up, Mr. Clark? You ready? Yes, sir. Ready to rock and roll. All right. So it is Monday. Um, this is a short week for us. Just uh, if you didn't tune in, uh, haven't had a chance to listen to the show for the last week or so, um, we will be here with you uh, until Thursday. Um, and then we will be off Friday and going forward. And we won't be back to the beginning of the new year. Uh, so um, just want to go ahead and make sure I put that out there. I'll be mentioning that daily just for people. I know everybody doesn't get a chance to listen to the show every day. So that's kind of what our schedule is for this week. So we've got a lot to try to get to uh, before we get out of here. Uh, just to give you an insight, probably, you know, by the time we get to Wednesday and Thursday's show, that'll be a outlook and start mixing in some of these, uh, you know, semifinal um, college football games uh, because those will – uh, take place and uh, be uh, kicking off before the time we get back here uh, live wise on air. So um, just wanted to go ahead and uh, throw that out there uh, as well. Um, also, today uh, we've got a quite a bit to start the week off of. You know, it's going to be heavy uh, football intensive. Got a lot of football that I want to get to. A lot of games want to touch on and comment on. We've got other things going on. Uh, in the sports world as well, too. Uh, before we get to all that, uh, first off, want to uh, say rest in peace to Eric Montross, uh, dead at the age of 52. Uh, former, this is around my um, area and age and um, generation, you know, um, famous player at the time in North Carolina. Um, you know, me and one of my high school buddies used to always, you know, kid around with each other, uh, you know, in regards to his style of play and playing pickup things and games and stuff like that. So Eric Montrose, I mean, he spent, I think he played in the NBA uh, for at least about 10 years with some multiple teams. So he's passed away at the age of 50. Don't know the reason why uh, yet. Uh, what do you got? Uh, North Carolina in yeah. their release shared yeah. uh, that he lost his battle with cancer. Oh, that's right. Uh, my apologies. Yes, he was battling with cancer for a while. 
um, and then lost his battle. So thoughts and prayers out to uh, his family uh, and his loved ones. 52, that's uh, that's young. It starts hitting home. That's when you know, um, you know, I've been doing this a long time, but when I start hearing reports of people, especially former athletes or entertainers, when I start hearing them pass away around that mark into their 50s and, you know, late 40s, it starts, you start thinking about uh, – life in general when you get older in regards to getting my age so thoughts and prayers to uh him uh didn't want to forget about that uh also there's other things of course going into the sports world uh you know this weekend uh kind of touched on a little bit uh golf related uh you know tiger and his son uh participate in the pnc championship they didn't win uh but charlie pretty much stole the show uh you know charlie's been having his highlights on part of a highlight package on the four letter network since he spot, he was spotted playing golf. Um, and even in a short amount of time that you've seen him kind of grow up and, uh, really been able to play like grown man golf. Um, it's crazy. I mean, I got a chance. I wasn't really too much locked into this tournament, but you know, hearing tiger talk and hear his son call, and I've seen more cutups over the last, I would say month of Charlie and his dad, you know, his dad's trying to come back and play competitive golf this year. He says he's optimistic by two, uh, about the year 224. Um, the one thing I'm excited for, because uh, I think Charlie's 14, I think, um, around there. The one thing that I'm excited for when that time comes uh, is you can already tell by his interviews and even there standing right there in front of his dad, because I think sometimes he embarrasses his dad by the way he's talked. You know, Charlie's going to be, I think, less PC than his dad was. He's got a little bit more swag, and he's got a little cockiness to him, too. I think it was a par five, like, I don't know, about 380, 370 or something. It might have been a par four or something, but he drove it like 340 uh, on a driver. And we ain't talking from the ladies' tee either. So I think, and I've said this before, he's going to be – he's going to give Tiger some peace um, able to really hang it up when it's time to go when he's tired of you know fighting his body elements that he has you know tired of having to take two and a half hours of body prep to two to three hours just to get ready to play 18 holes of golf when tiger's ready to hang it up that way um i think this is going to be one of those that is going to get the transition a little bit easier for him to concentrate everything on charlie but um, I said it last Thursday or Wednesday. I think he's going to I think golf is headed toward, you know, some rough terrain with this whole tour live situation. Uh, I don't think this is done by any means. Um, and I think with that particular sport, when you look at a lot of guys, they, they're really as independent contractors. Um, I think it's going to be I, I'm, I'm not going to over exaggerate and say a black cloud over golf, but it's going to be a little bit different because a lot of it's going to be tied up in courts. It's going to be a part of them. You can have masters champion four major champions that are going to be in situations. But I think by the time Charlie uh, gets ready after he attends whatever university he's going to attend, play junior golf. Um, he'll be the guy that's going to be next. You know, we've been waiting, or at least some of us. Uh, I don't even think I put myself included, but I know the masses of the media and the golf peer has been waiting for somebody. Who's going to be somebody besides Tiger? I mean, we tried to go Rory. We tried to go uh, Kepka, We tried to go Spieth. And it might be the young man that's got his DNA running in him. And, he's getting, and the thing I'm excited about is because I think he's got a little bit more swag 
than his, than his father in regards to not being PC on certain things. So you had that going on in the golf world. Uh, really, um, NBA, too, continues to roll on uh, over the weekend. The uh, San Antonio Spurs Friday night uh, finally exercised the Demons and stopped their 18-game winning streak. They get Shawshank uh, redemption against the Lakers. Uh, you know, we kind of discussed it, you know, before Anthony Davis did not play that game, but LeBron was able to participate. Uh, the, so the Spurs were able to be victorious and stop their uh, losing streak. Um, and then they took one on the chin yesterday uh, to the Pelicans. Uh, they lost um, at home. Um, but, you know, it's one of those situations that um, – you know, eventually they were going to start winning some games. Um, I think, you know, one thing with the team, the way it's assembled and the youth and everything, um, it, the next step is going to be in regards to consistency. I don't believe, I, I said it last Thursday, I don't know if this is a team that's ever going to see a six, seven game winning streak in the course of this season. Um, but what you do want is the consistency of the effort coming back. I mean, they gave up 146. Um, last night to the Pelicans and lost 146-10. to 10. Um, But it, the best thing that they were able to stop that winning streak, but now can you get some consistency in play, you know, and not the uh, up and down. It might not result into Ws, but I think they've been consistent with their efforts since coming off of the uh, – the little time they had off during the end season tournament uh, didn't really result into W's until they got a, you know, back to back with the Los Angeles Lakers um, on Friday night. But I think now going forward, uh, because 146 to 110, that's not the same effort uh, that they've had since that break. So now it's just about can they get consistency after tasting a little bit of success and stopping the streak. So you've got that going on. Detroit's going to be back in action tonight in the ATL, seeing if they can uh, stop their losing streak. Uh, they've got the longest active losing streak in the NBA uh, right now. They're going to be in action against Atlanta. Um, you have some other NBA games. We'll look at the schedule. The Nuggets are going to be in action tonight. They're hosting the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Luka Doncic is coming into the Mile High City. Uh, so we'll circle back you know, around to that. So a lot of stuff to get to this week in general before we get out of here uh, on Thursday. But we will start with the National Football League because uh, we've got some, you know, these are, and I'll keep saying this, the NFL finally, like they finally hit the bullseye in regards to where they've tried to manipulate Manipulate um, these schedules and division games toward the end. And I've said this before, this comes all this started when guys and certain teams were wrapping up divisions in week 12 and 13, 14. Then the debate was, do we play our guys? We rest our guys. Then you get other teams that, you know, for the integrity, quote unquote, of the game, they need to win or they need that so-and-so to win. But you got them sitting out. So NFL, for the most part, has finally got the formula. Well, I want to see the formula because they've had the formula. It's just the fact that it finally hit where you've got the rest of these games um, for the majority part, especially in the AFC, but really in the NFC, that are going to be playoff games for the next three uh, three weeks. Um, so we definitely got to start there. Um, the Dallas Cowboys uh, just get curb stomped. Uh, we're going to start with them. They get curb stomped uh, in Buffalo uh, to the tune of 31 to 10 as the Bills uh, continue to uh, improve their play and really just run all over Dallas. Um Look, there's a, there's a couple things uh, that want to touch on in this particular uh, game, uh, and starting with the Cowboys. Um, 
Well, first of all, before I get to the Cowboys, let me start with Buffalo because I've had this conversation for the last few years for a while on this particular program in regards to the mentality of um, Buffalo and their offense. And since the firing of Dorsey um, and hiring the new coordinator, especially in the last couple of weeks, but yesterday you saw, you've never really seen that from Buffalo before in the Josh Allen era. Um, you know, even when Brian Dable was the offensive coordinator, like they would try to run the ball and they would have some games where they would have some successful runs in here. But most of the part, it was Josh Allen trying to do everything with his legs and his arms to will Buffalo to victories. Uh, they let Cook go and cook last night uh, to the tune. I think he had 227 yards or something like that. It felt like a lot more. Uh, but if Buffalo can be committed. Now, they're not going to get 200-some yards rushing uh, every week or, you know, even hell, even one, every once a month. But if they can really be committed to the run and put that a part of their staple and really make you stop them, whether it's Cook, whether it's whoever, then you're talking about a different Buffalo Bills team, you know, and that's the only way Josh Allen is ever going to sniff a Super Bowl, let alone win it, if they get more committed to the run. So I want to take my hats off to Buffalo, the way they went about running that ball yesterday in the approach. Now, Dallas is uh, that's been one for the last couple of years, even under Dan Quinn. That's if you look at the Achilles heel of the Dallas Cowboys defense, it is stopping the run if they can get a team that is really committed to it and has a serviceable back. And that's one of the things I've always preached that when you're dealing with a pass rush, such as a Micah Parsons, a Demarcus Lawrence, when you're looking at guys like that, what you do as an offensive coordinator, the way I was brought up, listen to some of the great coaches, is the fact that you run at the pass rush and you run at them. And, and, and also Dallas is, you know, when you jump on them like Buffalo did or you have any team that can get a start like they did, it takes away what Dan Quinn and their defense, the strongest point of their team does is rush and get after the passer and sack. So I thought, you know, of course, I mean, I like Buffalo going into this game uh, because of the situation Buffalo's in and also in that environment um so hats off to buffalo who still keep their playoff chances alive and opportunity maybe to still have a puncher's chance at that division the afc east considering they play miami week 18 compares what happened but to the dallas cowboys okay um there's so many comparisons uh first of all as far as i'm concerned going forward um they're they're, they're the they're the millie vanilli team in regards away from home Okay, that's number one. Um, It's night and day. And there's no, you know, I I know that um, NFL Network had a stat saying there's not been a Super Bowl winning team that has suffered a double digit loss in the month of December. Okay, so you can take care of what you want, but I'll go even one further. It's real simple. There's no Super Bowl teams that really go on if you're a true Super Bowl team that you go on and you can be this polar opposite and this struggle this much on the road if you can't win on the road consistently especially if you've got the talent and you're a contender and you cannot win on the road against superior not even superior teams but teams that are matched with you then you're that something's missing you're not a real Super Bowl contending team okay because Dallas is not going to have home field advantage through the NFC playoffs. They might get one, maybe two if they're lucky home games. To get where they want to go to the desert in Vegas, they're going to have to win the road game. And there's nothing that has showed so far 
that they're capable of doing that if it's against an opponent that has pretty much they match in talent or they are, you know, even superior to in talent. You know, it, it's it, that's just the reality. They remind me again, they, and, you know, it's two different sports, but I'll use the analogy because I talk about it with the Yankees and I've said it before. They are like what those old Mike D'Antoni Phoenix Suns teams used to be, man. They're a team that's built for the regular season in regards to that comparison with the NBA. Like, hey, they win 50-60, but when they get to the playoffs, they're just not built for the playoffs. Dallas, even though it's two sports, they're not built from a mentality standpoint and a culture standpoint where they can go in an environment like that and not even make it competitive. But, I mean, not even win, excuse me, but even make it competitive. There's major concerns with that uh, going forward, not just currently in this 2023 season, but I'm looking forward. You cannot, if you're a true contending team, you cannot be polar opposites like that from home and away in the National Football League. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a Dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producer, spinning the one and twos. We'll be back. Texas summers can get hot, but now they're blazing with the new Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary Mix. The latest addition to the Zing Zang lineup brings the same great, bold, and delicious taste that you already know, only much hotter. Shake things up with Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary Mix, made with premium ingredients and crafted for a bold and savory taste, whether with your favorite vodka or with the pre-mixed ready-to-drink cans. Zing Zang, America's favorite Bloody Mary and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please Zing Zang responsibly. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind. Are you moving around the greater San Antonio area? Choose the storage experts. Tiger Moving and Storage. Whether you're moving an office or the whole family, Tiger Moving and Storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient, prompt, and cost-effective service. To learn more and to secure your portable storage container today, go to ChooseTiger.com. Tiger Moving and Storage, official sponsor of the sports grind. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing and spinning the one and twos. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. And we are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Specs. If you're looking to check out what's the latest new products they have coming in for the holiday season, uh, or you already know what they have, but you just want to deliver straight to your doorstep, don't forget about SpecsOnline.com because the fun starts here. That's Specs, official sponsor of the Sports Grind and an official partner of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the Millie Vanilli Dallas Cowboys. Um. Yeah, I mean, just to end on before we move to them, it's just to me, um, you know, and the in the discussion going around today is that does this take Dak Prescott out of MVP discussions? 
Um, I don't know if it takes him out of the discussions, but he takes a hit. Um, I know they flashed up graphics of really, you know, really like what his QBR is at home and what it is on the road. I think he's like over 100 at home and it drops down in the mid 80s when he's at home. I mean, on the road. Um, Defense is supposed to travel. Uh, I just think that they ran into, they got exposed with one of their weaknesses. Um, is stopping the run as good as their defense has been. But, you know, that's just something that's not a very good sign in regards to where Dallas is wanting to go. Um, I mean, hell, you know, even if you're striving, and whether it's next year, the year after that, going into this year, if one of your goals are to try to get a bye and the number one overall seed so you can be at home for the playoffs and have home field advantage, you've got to win some road games in the regular season. Um, and I don't think it's really that disappointing, alarming, the fact that they lost to Buffalo because that is a tough place to go win at. Um, I think it's the fashion of what they lost. I mean, they have – I mean, like I've always – and this is going to be a nice – you know, segment here to the next team I want to talk about. There's there. I mean, there's always I always preach this. There's always levels to things, man. And I mean, at the reality, you know, they have not. Um, they've looked good one time, of course, of this year against the favorable upper echelon opponent. And that was at home when they played Philly a couple weeks ago. And I can make an argument based off of what I'm seeing uh, on with certain teams around the league, that has a lot to do with Philly scheduling at that spot. They were on their third leg of a three straight road games. Um, so it's just something that if they're going to want to get and where most Dallas fans try to talk it into existence and where they want their team to go, they've got to solve this. And because honestly, this is the first time that I've heard Mike McCarthy in the post game really address it. I mean, it's the elephant in the room, so you can't hide from it. But this is the first time that he's acknowledged that his team, like they've got to find a way to get a lot better. He said, regardless whether we're at in the season or what's ahead of us, we've got to find a way to play better on the road. And that's just that's uh, that's absolutely facts. Eight seven seven three seven grind. Uh, keeping it moving um, to the other uh, team that we'll get to. Um, well, before I get to them, um, what do you got, Jonas? Well, really quick, you talk about turning it around on the road. Uh, they better figure figure it out this week. I mean, sure they've cl- you know, they've punched their ticket to the playoffs, so they're already in despite the loss. Um, but they got the Dolphins on Christmas Eve on the road in Miami. Uh, I saw Todd Archer uh, noted the fact that uh, the Cowboys since last season haven't lost back to back games. So this being two tough opponents on back-to-back weeks is really going to put that to the test. Well, I, you know, to me, um, we knew a few weeks ago this was the this was uh, Mike McCarthy called it, which is true. It's the murder's row they schedule. We we talked about it when the schedules came out in August, uh, or when we talked about the season in August, right before kick, kickoff September, and we brought it up a few weeks ago when you know, they were getting ready to play Philly and then go into this stretch. Um, But I'm always a firm believer, man. You At this point in the season, man, you are who you are, period. I mean, like, Dallas is a team that their best on the road is not beating somebody the other team's best at this point. Um, 
we're in de- we're we're going into week 16 after tonight there's enough data to show that whatever the reason case may be and a lot of its culture a lot of its mental fortitude they are that like I don't think that they're necessarily they're going to play as bad as they did yesterday against Buffalo because I think a lot of that has to do with the game plan Buffalo had and the energy and the motivation. But at the end of the day, they they're not going they're not going to play though as crisp and high potent as they have at home on the road this season. That that's just something that's not like that's stuff that you got to fix. Like offseason wise, personnel wise going. It's something that you gotta harp on in the offseason to make a, a you know, hey, when we get our first road game, I mean, cause that's gonna be the be- wherever this team ends up, unless they end up basically hosting the Lombardi trophy in Vegas, it, whether it's a conference championship loss, a Super Bowl loss, or either a divisional wildcard loss, the mantra for next season is going to be pl- being a better road team. That's what they're gonna hang their hats on. Because either way you look at it, the lack of performance of them on the road is going to cost them some way, some form in this particular season. We got yeah. Bills, Niners, Eagles are three of their four road lo- uh, three of their four losses, and all of those on the, being on the road. Um, those aren't you know cupcake opponents. Uh, but when you talk about you are who you are at this point of the year, well, we also know that the Miami Dolphins have not been able to beat anybody of note either. Mm-hmm. So so this week, is it the and right now the line to start the week, minus one and a half in the Dolphins' favor. You mm-hmm. always say the rule is get, you should get three as a home team. Mm-hmm. Um, so then as we come into this week then, and you, and you get ready for this weekend, then is it the Miami Dolphins just can't, because something has to give. The Cowboys have to either do well on the road to get this win, or the Miami Dolphins have to beat somebody of note. Which one will give? Well, I don't know. Well, the question is, the million-dollar question is, how much credit Miami going to get if they beat Dallas? And Dallas, is we, we, they, they, they've sucked ass on the road this season. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but the reality is, is number one, you know, if we want to talk Miami and take a peek a little bit toward that matchup, um, I think it might be a blessing in disguise yesterday for Miami that Tyreek Hill didn't play. Because it shows that these other guys waddle and all. When you've got a dynamic player such as Tyreek Hill, everybody can get comfortable with it. If nobody can stop it, from McDaniels to Tua, you know, everybody. If you take him away, which he which he did, he didn't play yesterday, um, other people have to step up and play. But with that said, if Miami – that is the reputation that they have, that they haven't, they don't have that win on their schedule, which I think is fair. But the reality is that they beat Dallas. I don't know if people will still, if, you, if you're a, a, if you're skeptical about the Dolphins or you're not a believer in the Dolphins, them beating Dallas at home is not going to take that away because of the struggles. It'll be Dallas is just bad on the road. Um, that's that's the way I look at that, and I just feel that you know with Miami, it just comes down to. Can their defense steady improve? Uh, because their defense is probably going to have to play a little bit better than what they have. I can't judge what they did yesterday against one of the worst offensive coordinators in NFL history, and Nathaniel Hackett, and and just a Jets team that is just you know had their plans blow up in their face in Week One. Um, but you know, like I said, Buffalo, they've set themselves up for the position now that they're going to be going in Miami and that week 18 game in Miami, which Buffalo's already beat Miami could possibly depends on what happens in the next couple of weeks, especially if Dallas goes and beats Miami probably come down for the AFC East. 
You know, and then that trickles down the effect of all these teams that we see in the hunt or currently in the seventh and sixth spot as well, too. So there's a lot to shake out. I damn sure tell you the AFC is not being decided till week 18 until the game's all done. That's just the way it is. That's the way it's going to be. Now, NFC could maybe get some more clarity over the next couple weeks. And AFC or who's in is not going to be decided until the games are over in week 18. Uh, moving on, though, um, I want to get because I don't want to get lost because I know we're getting to the Denver Broncos talk here. But hats off and and what a gutsy win from the from the Houston Texans um, and D'Amico Ryan's. I mean, to win this game 19 to 16 in overtime uh, over in a di division opponent, a tough division opponent, despite their records, they're coming off of beating that team, Miami, we talk about on the road. Um. To do it with Case Keenum, who is a veteran, who's been around the block, but to do it with a young team and a rookie coach to be down, they could have folded. They, they were down 13-3 at one point. Uh, they could have folded. They hung in there. They made some plays defensively. They stopped up. They put. They kept you know, squeezing the vice grip, and finally things broke for them, and they found a way to win it in overtime. And that right there, improving them to 8-6, and six, uh, there is a lot of, I think, viable candidates, more than I can ever remember in a season that is very worthy of more than two votes for Coach of the Year. And, you know, D'Amico Ryans in the Texans, I mean, I hate that it's happening for the ownership group that it's happening for, um, but at the end of the day, he is building something there, and they are they're ahead of schedule for one, and they're really going um, places. Um, not I'm not just talking about in the 2023 season, but I'm talking about a few. There is a reason why this guy was sorted out uh, by multiple teams last off season for their head coach and vacancy. Um, but that is a hell of a win uh, for them. I think with the Texans, everything's looking like it's going to come down to Week 18. Um, in Indy in a winner-take-all situation, uh, whether it's a playoff spot or whether it's for the AFC South, which Jacksonville, which we're going to get to them here shortly, has really trying to leave the back door and the gate open, which we'll get to that game. Uh, but before we get to that, let's start with uh, Saturday night as the Denver Broncos, who were coming into this game, winners out of the last uh, six out of the last seven games, um, going into Ford Field to take on the Lions and had some momentum. And the Lions are coming in this game off of a loss to Chicago and really dropping two out of their last three games that they've played. Um, and defense giving up just horrible yardage and points. Uh, well, they showed up uh, in Ford Field Saturday night and dropped 42 on Denver uh, and won the football game. Um and when you look at this, I, I've been saying for weeks, uh, there's a couple things that I want to reiterate that I know. And like I said, we, we got podcasts and we check this stuff. So I want to reiterate what I've been preaching for two weeks, despite the five game winning streak and everything. There's number one is that this is the problem. What Saturday night showed me first off and what I already kind of knew is like the theme of the day, there's levels to stuff. And, and what Saturday showed as particularly the way this team is constructed roster wise um, and talent base wise and all different positions that you can choose from. They're not on the level of a true Super Bowl contender. And Detroit is a true Super Bowl contender. They're not favorites, but they have a roster and they have a legit Super Bowl contending team and the way they've drafted. You've seen, you saw Saturday a team that has 
stacked talent in the draft for the last two to three years versus a team that basically has been without draft capital and that has missed on draft picks for five to four to five years or three year stretch while back. That's what that's what I saw. It's levels to everything. Denver has uh, done a good job this season considering how they started. Uh, but there's levels to things. And that's what it showed Saturday night. Um, in regards to the story in in what's coming out of that game and in, in, in regards to the exchange with Sean Payton and Russ, which I knew the local I knew the media in Denver was going to make this a big deal. And I knew that it was going to get some traction, but I did not anticipate um, it being really an opportunity for not all, but for some people um, and especially for some predominant, you know, Denver, Colorado writers that I've paid attention to, you know, even that's been writing before I got in the industry uh, that I've had respect for to come at with pitchforks uh, for the head coach and Sean Payton. And I've seen some other fans in regards to making the comments. Look, um, he was totally in the right of what he was doing. And I do believe he was totally in the right the way he handled the press conference afterwards. Now, when this is happening in real time and afterwards, and, and you know, I was looking at this, I said, well, there's only two things. First of all, the whole sequence was frustrating. Um, you know, McLaughlin looks like he gets in. They don't really call the touchdown. And then the other touchdown, they call it. They call the uh, the offensive Offsides, by the way, which go look. I can't count how many games I watched this weekend that call was called. And then the, in the rest of the league, they can really think of Patrick Mahomes and they can thank him of that post game uh, press conference he had last year. Because now everybody, it's like one block gets popped. They call the alphabet boys and now everybody's snitching and everybody's okay, we're going to handle whatever. We come to sweep the whole neighborhood then. That's what that was, but I'll get to that. All that sequence was frustrating for Sean. So to me, I'm thinking like, damn, he's come at because I feel like there's been quite a few times during the losing streak, even in the winning streak, that he could undress a, uh, Russ like that on the sideline. But he hasn't because a lot of people were waiting for that going into this relationship with these two. But when I thought about it, I was like, look, it's either the fact that Russ, my initial thought was on Saturday night, Russ checked out of a play that he wasn't supposed to. Or he, you know, Russ has had, you know, his control at the line of scrimmage. He's checked out of a play, whether it was the play right before Piron went in or was it the other one. He checked out of a play and wasn't supposed to. And on top of that, you get the refs in those situations that Sean was frustrated with. And you're already down in a game that you've been basically uphill battle. Um, and a lot of that frustration came out. And I also think there's other ways that guys like him can use certain situations to coach a certain player like his Russ's caliber, no different than the pop, the guy that did out here. You know, hell, if he could jump on and yell at Tim, he can get on anybody. Sean does quirky stuff like that. I think he's challenging Russ as well, too. But I feel like I don't like it. It just shows you that it was such a shock for most people that saw that because Russ is a former, you know, two time Super Bowl participant. Super Bowl champ, one-time Super Bowl champ, multiple 10 wins, making $40 million a year. What is he doing? No way. You can't do that. Uh, that's co like that used to be. Now I won't say the norm, but I mean, come on, man. I there's I've watched football in the '90s. They like what, what did anybody see his mentor, the guy the coaching tree comes out. Anybody seen Bill Parcells coach? Anybody seen Mike Dicker coach? 
I mean, there's going to, at the end of the day, you want that in regards to not, not every coach can do that. Not every coach has the apple sack or the cliche or the control to be able to come at a quarterback like Russ that has his resume. But there's something to that. And if you want to say that's weeks and weeks of frustration building up with Russ, maybe so. Okay, so that's one thing. Two, I've been preaching. This team has not the margin for error. And again, if you look at their losses, even in that losing streak or the one that they lost, that game in Detroit was similar to the Houston game to me. Get the ball first possession, marching down, and there's a fumble, which could have resulted in that first drive. I mean, you hit the 30, 40 yard play to Judy, you're in Detroit territory. If you come away with at least three points in that, you know, particular incident and Russ doesn't fumble the ball, I don't think they were winning that game regardless. But that game is, a, that flow is a lot more different. Now you have maybe a situation where this game does come down in the fourth quarter. So that has been no margin for error. Number two that I want to stick with, because I've been preaching this regardless, even through the five-game winning streak, the truth of the matter, and look, the main thing is, is no. You know, if we, if we want to put blame um, at the same time as well, I don't have problem with Sean the way he coached Russ, but if we really want to put blame at the helm of why that game was lost, I'd put maybe only in my eyes without being in the trenches and being in meetings and what's talked about on the sideline or what Sean was pissed off about, I put only maybe about 15, 20% at Russ's feet. The rest of it landed on the defense who got ran on. They got ran on. There's three teams that basically got a clinic in running on them this weekend. It was the Dallas Cowboys, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Denver Broncos. Those are three teams that just got ran out the stadium that they played in. I want to touch on a little bit more that with the decision of where I really feel where this team is at and what should happen going in the last final three weeks. We've got some other NFL games to break down as well when we get back. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dosecchi's Get a Dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos. We'll be back. When life sounds too much like this, it's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Maestro Dobel Tequila was born from 11 generations of tequila-making legacy. It is sourced from a single estate in the volcanic lowlands of Jalisco, Mexico, using the finest 100% blue agave. Double distilled and aged in European white oak barrels, Maestro Dobel's commitment to innovation isn't only to discover new ways of distilling and aging, it's about elevating and crafting a superior tequila that is the essence of mastery. Maestro Dobel is the official tequila of the PGA Tour and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please drink responsibly. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits and world-class wine to chips, dips and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you. Cheers to savings. 
Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Tai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Tai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special Nam and Seafood Lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Tai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. 